all kind of like be in Boulder sometimes, Hawaii sometimes, but the traveling life as I know it is done. You know, okay. I, I, I mean, it, it may come back, but I'm really not counting on it for, for eight years. I traveled eight months a year. No way. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you're just like, this is, this is the chance to like settle down in some way and just be like central in one, one or two places. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, um, um, I just really don't think it's going to be a possibility to travel for like a long time. I know, I know people feel rather like optimistic about it, but I think it's going to be Im- immensely complicated. And also as um, people have like studios, mm-hmm. so many studios, you know, this mm-hmm. don't are, are not going to be able to support traveling artists and things like that. So there's, there's the whole, like whole economy behind it uh, mm-hmm. has changed, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Adapting to it. But a lot of people are still like, oh, this is going to come back. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't really think it is. <laughs> so I think, as you said, like people are really optimistic. Like I think people, they keep using this word back and they keep using, <laughs> the, or, or the word normal. And it's just kind of like, if you're even, I think if you're speaking that way, you haven't kind of reconciled with what's going on. Yeah. Right. It's going to be, it's just going to be something else. Yeah, yeah. Right. No back. There's no back. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a, a demand th- for something different. <laughs> right. It's going to be a thing and like, we'll all be here for it, but whatever it was, it's going to be different, you know, yeah. just like yesterday was different from today, but just a little more of that. <laughs> <laughs> really like fast forwarded different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The way different, like the way like yesterday might be different from today for a creature where time is different than our time. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, like, uh, what yeah. will you? Will, will all of your yeah. work be online then? It seems like a lot of it. Which mm-hmm. there's definitely some uh, pain points associated with that because mm-hmm. um, just it's more time for, spent in front of a screen, which I don't feel as well when I have to be in front of a screen a lot. And it's like by necessity, it's already going up or yeah. it will go up because I have to also teach. And then there's all the other things that I need to do online business wise or writing wise. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's not great, but that's also part of me like going where I'd like to have enough like land around where I am to mm-hmm. uh, recharge off of concrete <laughs> right it's like if you have to be online that much at least when you like get offline you're like oh look right. i'm in hawaii <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oof. oh there's the ocean hi <laughs> yeah, so, yeah 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 it's not that bad yeah well that's so, incredible well i'm I, I hope that you'll host some sort of like a uh, retreats or, or something out there once once the world can make that happen because that would yeah. i mean listen there are a lot of us who would be happy to go to hawaii uh yeah i think so so yeah, we will, we will see. I am um, mostly not making any <laughs> real plans for what will be. There's ambitions, mm-hmm. but yeah, who knows? Well, I got to see um, Emily Sanderson yesterday. Oh. And, and I told her that uh, I was going to be talking to you today. And she always has like the best things to say about you. Um, she's just like this, you know, always talking about you as a teacher, as a performer, um, the way you kind of 
see these things. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm super excited because I've never even gotten to, sp- to speak to Marlo. Um, <laughs> You're just in the uh, same room rolling around on the floor. Yeah. Exactly. Well, because you hosted uh, and organized Tom the, the event with Tom Wexler last year. Um, yes. And that was in New York, which I want to figure out how New York fits into the Boulder, Hawaii mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. and that's where we crossed paths and he pointed out that you, that you hosted the event. And then I met Emily there and Emily came over and started, uh, doing some stuff at Movement Brooklyn and she was going to be teaching. She actually taught the very last class at Movement Brooklyn before oh. we had to close down. Um, so tell me about New York and that, is that where you started or is that where you kind of got the ball rolling with, uh, what you're doing so, now? I'd say... I really would, as far as ball rolling, put it back far earlier because I, I grew up in Virginia Beach and I started dancing as a young child. And what that, kind of dance? So, kind of a common uh, path is what they call studio dance, which means you're doing like tap, ballet, jazz for mm-hmm. the most part, mm-hmm. and then you know whatever your teacher's interested in is what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to a high school for the arts. Okay. Here. And um, then I went to University of Miami because I wanted to go to a big city where I could work in dance, but maybe not New York or LA because I figured I would completely not, I would derail from university and just (laughs) focus in that. So um, by the time I was 18, I was pretty much like a working professional dancer, but then I moved to New York after college. And then, and what, what's uh, like a work, what's um, a working, what's a working professional dancer at that level mean? Like what kind of, st- what kind um, of stuff are you doing? The definition of professional dancer. By the way, are we doing the interview right now? I don't know. I just I just <laughs> are started. We, are I we just doing start- a pre-interview. I, no, I just started at talking. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I've been recording since we started. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if that was like a, it was like the pre part or the. Oh no no no. Doing it. Yeah um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so good to know. Um, so pre-professional just means you get paid. Okay. Really, okay. there's there's not because every I'd say that each um, like some form of dance has kind of their own definition of what makes a professional because there are some dance forms that like you really might not, never get paid for because of the the way that the dance is learned and taught mm-hmm. unless you kind of break the culture of that form to make an economy out of it so. So, and also in like ballroom dance, what makes you a professional is different than what would make you a professional in commercial dance, which is what I was doing, which means that you go to auditions for TV, movies, commercials, that kind of stuff. You kind of can at least somewhat do a lot, a lot of different styles of dance. And then, um, yeah, so that largely will bring you to New York or LA if you want to get the bigger jobs and then Miami is like a lesser uh, point of that but the Latin music industry hired a lot of people from Miami so okay I got was there okay mm-hmm. and you and what, what what were like some of the gigs that you were doing um like MTV video music awards backup dancers um commercials uh different tv shows like law and order when they have like random scenes where they need like people dancing in the background right um sometimes live stage shows with musicians like vh1 used to have an event called fashion rocks and Mm -hmm. i was dancing with pharrell and nelly you know they have like backup people yeah so um yeah you go to an audition you get a job you learn some stuff over the course of a few days and then you film something 
that's cool. It's a hustle. Yeah. 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 Especially when you're young, like that's fun too. That's like, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then what kind I'm sorry. I derailed you now. now what, what came after that then? Um, well, I actually, I started teaching in gyms the day I turned 18. Mm-hmm. Like, cause like I, I studied for my ACE group fitness exam and, and like started teaching at the university of Miami. So when I was a freshman there, I was uh, uh, teaching this class that was like a, a, a dance kind of aerobic class. So a lot of like nonstop, easy to follow movement. Mm-hmm. And I kind of carried that with me into New York. So as I was working also in the dance scene, I was my like more consistent job was the gym circuit of bouncing mm-hmm. around to all the different gyms and teaching group movement stuff. And right. um, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and is that, is that where you started doing pole or was that later on? New York. And I was about 23. I took a class like out of curiosity and um, didn't really like the class, but I felt like there was some, definitely something there that I really wanted to mm-hmm. explore more. And yeah. um yeah, so I started doing it on my own. I got a pole and uh, just looked at every resource that was available. And this was before Instagram mm-hmm. existed or Facebook had just barely started having videos. So the only resource was like a few videos on YouTube at the time. I remember when I was talking to Emily and she was talking about discovering pole and doing all these other like dance forms and then discovering pole. And there was, I asked her like, what was it about that that kind of like, you know, hooked her. And she said, I I forget exactly the wording, but it was something about how it was like, there weren't like limits placed on it yet. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like, because it was this newer thing, it kind of, you had the freedom artistically to steal from a lot of different places and make it your own there rather than going into these other realms. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. right. Cause like pole is, you know, it's not a style of movement. Mm-hmm. pole is just an, an apparatus like the floor is an apparatus or like horizontal bar and mm-hmm. so though you know it has its roots in strip club forms of movement mm-hmm. ultimately you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. and so there was a, a lot of freedom for someone coming into to to play with it because they're really there's there are people People call there's different styles of pole, mm-hmm. but it's such a solitary type of movement form. Like you actually need a lot of personal space, and <laughs> it's a, right. it's good to just carve out your own way. Yeah. Right. So then, like, um, was this then like solo study since there wasn't as much of it happening, or did you continue going to classes? No, I I went to class for like my first month or two of doing it, and I I felt like I was probably gonna grow more by exploring because I was already had already danced for like 20 years at that point and so yeah I was, I was like all right let me just figure this out um it was, I had to look at the YouTube and go all right hook this here wow that really hurts okay um but yeah it wasn't it was a beautiful opportunity to combine all of the movement knowledge from other worlds that I had and like put it all together on the pole with the ability to go in the air, which was new. Right. And, and so when did you start performing with it and where was that, where were those kind of places at in New York city? Was it like burlesque uh, type stuff? No, I, uh, I, the first 
time I ever performed was actually a competition mm-hmm. because there, there, and there still aren't many opportunities to perform pole if you aren't in a strip club because mm-hmm. of the necessity of having something to attach the pole to. Right. There, eventually I did, there were a few nightclubs in New York that had like performances, various performances, like what you said, kind of a burlesque thing, but it was, you know, scattered. The, the, so the really, the, the bigger work that I got in pole was actually going back into the commercial dance realm, like the movie Rock of Ages. Mm-hmm. It was a movie that had like Tom Hanks and Mary J. Blige is based off the Broadway show. They mm-hmm. had a bunch of pole dancers in that. So doing that and like different commercials. So um, yeah, it was kind of a, a really unique opportunity that I had because I was already in this commercial dance world. Then I picked up a new special skill and like was able to get work that way. So I think that it was like the bigger or more credible <laughs> performances I did mm-hmm. or came through that mm-hmm. avenue. I think it's super interesting. Whenever I, I like get the opportunity to watch people perform on the pole i i i don't know i just feel so much i don't know there's something very like uh uh passionate about it It doesn't feel like someone is doing someone else's thing and i think that's what i always find really amazing about it like like you see um it's even with like people who are new it's like their individual character kind of like shines through using this Mm -hmm. and 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 i always come back to what emily said and kind of what you're talking about where it's like it's just an apparatus it's kind of like you get to use this apparatus to like show who you are. Yeah. And- yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people try to call things done with pole, like pole fitness. And there's this, a whole movement within pole that it's kind of like the, the flat earthers of the pole dance world that like deny the, or the origins or the, the you know, extraordinary influence of, what was figured out and developed in strip clubs and they like deny it and they try to say it came from all these other things uh, and mm-hmm. like kind of sanitize it but for the most part for the most part people within pole are do call it like pole dance and so from the beginning there is this um invitation to expression mm-hmm. my internet just said unstable you can still hear me I can still hear you. It's a little, okay. you, you pop in and out a little bit once in a while, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. Unstable. But yeah, <laughs> so people are invited to put their own spin on it from the beginning. Tremendous favor to anyone coming in and learning to move because for, for I think having, having a movement practice that doesn't give space for like expression and, and figuring out what parts of you, you, are have never allowed to (laughs) share show reveal in some way is like you're gonna have to do that work at some point might as well involve it in your (laughs) your movement practice yeah well i mean i've talked about this with so many people where people are like whatever the 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 thing is artistically where it's like you know the emphasis gets so heavy on technique that you take the expression out of it and there are people who are technically perfect at so many things but don't have that ability to express themselves creatively and i think i was talking to somebody Mm -hmm. and being like yeah like there are people who started learning how to play violin when they were three and they play it technically perfect but nobody wants to listen to them play they still want to listen to nirvana which is like Mm -hmm. (laughs) wouldn't even no one would say it's technically perfect yeah. You know, it's like the expression carries that much weight. And I think that that's what's, what's amazing. So then when did you start teaching it? 
immediately. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I did. As I was starting to play, I was like, oh, I could teach those people. Because it really is like, depends on what you're doing. And, and, um, again, along the lines of the pole is just an object, Mm -hmm. an apparatus, like there's just the way you could use a a wall or anything to do, like hold on to something and move. It truly can be super accessible. So, Mm um, sure. Uh, uh, going and teaching like tricks that require like a, a, really a, a strong foundation in, in somebody learning it, it, that is not advisable. But at this, but there's, if you look at people when they, they want to interact with their environments or like kids, they grab a hold of a pole, playful approach to pole. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of felt into that right away, getting people to like move their spines more and move in circles and, um, they liked it. <laughs> And this was all in New York at this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where were you living? Were you, were you in the city? Yeah, I lived in Gramercy Park area. Mm-hmm. That wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. And um, like old 60th East Side and then eventually Sunny Side sunnyside queens when i wanted to have a door that separated a bedroom from a living area yeah yeah so, <laughs> I had to leave manhattan right well that listen that's the first step what comes two steps later is owning a place in hawaii i think it was a lot of steps later. <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. but the de- but the desire right right yeah, yeah. i think i need a, a door between yeah. my bedroom and my other my other whatever yeah <laughs> yeah I remember, I remember in, in New York, uh, when I was, you know, this is probably like 10 years ago, I was thinking to myself, like, you know what? I think I'm ready to not share a bathroom with somebody. And I found that to be like this revelation that I'm like, oh yeah, like I could not share a bathroom. Maybe I need an apartment with another bathroom or something. You know, it's in New York, you start coming up, coming up with these like little things that are like these like big steps into adulthood or something. Yes, claiming inches. <laughs> yeah. Needing a few more inches of space, personal space. Yeah. That is a common path. Yeah. But that's what, I mean, I think that's what's kind of the beauty of New York is it like force it with like the constraints, it, it forces this like creativity out of people, right? And you certainly learn how to live with less. Yeah. It is a, it appears to be like a fundamental truth that like whatever space you have, you will fill (laughs) unless you've done a lot of work on yourself to not do that. You know, so with New York, you, you, (laughs) you have a lot less space to fill. You accumulate less, start growing up your spaces and you accumulate more and more. And Mm -hmm. um, as I'm doing now, like that is a painful undoing. Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) So no kidding. Yeah. So when did you... And yeah, perhaps you'll be doing that, moving. <laughs> well, we, we put all of our stuff in storage and it's like, it's been there since March because we had to leave Brooklyn. And mm. um, we had to go back over there and do a little bit of moving things around before we leave for Boulder. But right now we're committed to three months. So we're like leaving everything in storage for now. And then we'll see what happens. But if I'm being totally honest, do I foresee us coming back to New York? Eh... I don't know. I think like once you make that departure, I think it's like, oh, I don't need to do that anymore. How many years have you been there? 15 years. Oh, you passed the 10 year. 10 years is like the most common that I hear. I was a 10 year person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, I moved here when I, I, I dropped out of school, uh, out of college when I was 20. And I moved to New York and yeah, 35 now. And like, I'll, like three weeks shy of the, the 15 years will be on a plane. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a jarring thing, but it's been, you know, there's this separation because we've now been in the woods for six months. So you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have that. Yeah. Oh. But I'm sure but I'm sure you and I crossed paths at, at different points because if you were kind of like bouncing around at gyms and teaching fitness and things like that, and like, you know, for the better part of like my time in New York, like I was I was performing stand-up comedy. So I was no. like so I, I there there are chances that even like late night running around in different places that we might have like yeah. crossed paths. Yeah, for sure. How about that? Yeah, since two thousand five, work in the gym circuit. That's when I moved to, that's when I moved to New York, 2005. There it <laughs> exactly. is. Yeah. So then when, when did you start kind of developing your own, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, methodology or approach or, or, or vision? I, I don't know. You can explain it better, yeah. but I'm curious when that started to come out of you. I, and to be honest, I, I have like no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can tell you when I filed for an LLC, you uh-huh. know, um, because it really, it was this, it wasn't a like awakening to an approach or methodology that made sense to me. It was just a process of realizing what I didn't like about the worlds that I was in, what Mm -hmm. felt like an approach that was a bit more human and less mechanistic Mm -hmm. um, and was more welcoming Mm -hmm. coming from both, both, both fitness environments and dance worlds. Um, there's, they're very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And within dance, the, one of the things that keeps people from learning dance is memorization because when they go to a class, they are learning or, or there's an expectation that they need to memorize a pattern of movement. And mm-hmm. for me, this is like tragic that when that, that is the reason that people think that they can't dance because when they go to a dance class as an adult, they need to memorize lengthy patterns. They fail at it. Of course, they haven't mm-hmm. trained that ability. And then they decide that they, they can't dance. They're insufficient. It's like the, the very thing that they're going to, to in search of, they're not going to get, which mm-hmm. is like to be in their body, to express physically, to feel good. And instead you're going to be, you're going to be here, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, so then I, yeah, I, I think over time in the search for being able to show anyone that they're capable of like a a dance based experience was kind of developed how I do what I do, which is using only very, very short phrases of memorization and then using um, like creative ingredients to transform that into either something that really challenges their level or it challenges their imagination. Mm -hmm. But the memorization component is always very low Mm -hmm. so that they can stay in what they're doing right well the, me- um, the, the memorization that, yeah I, I can't tell you when that <laughs> like mm-hmm. i was just gonna I say almost the, the, lost the, you i heard the memorization yeah i just said that the, the memorization piece is like um I, I think you hit that spot on like people get confused that like dancing is choreography right and and i've grown to learn as most people should mm-hmm. that that's not dance you know that that the really spending actually the time just like being in your body and expressing yourself in and around that is the dance. And then the other things can get filled in later. Yeah. Right. Including 
technique, whatever yeah. that is, right? right. Um, like form and structure and you know, there, of course, there's always some fundamental uh, components of safety that are, that are worth addressing at the beginning. But um, I think that there, there are ways to get people moving where we can trust that people are going to take care of themselves, depending on the environment that you create. Mm-hmm. And there's with also within pole, within dance, even within fitness classes, the, the first thing that's thrown out is like, there's all these risks involved with it because people are trying to mimic what they're seeing rather than going off of something that's, um, you know, more familiar to mm-hmm. them. Right. And so, yeah, working from truly familiar, like a, a motion of like a walking motion or like just yeah. sitting up off the floor, those things are going to be familiar to everyone, whether they do it really well or not. At least that's a great starting point, better than something abstract. Right. But oftentimes it seems like, especially like through fitness and stuff, like things are, as you said, like they're looking at the thing in front of them rather than kind of looking kind of what, with what they're dealing with. Right. And, yeah. and it can be challenging, you know, like I, I know from when I was teaching fitness, there are plenty of things that I could do that the people who I was teaching couldn't do. And I'm sure you felt the same way and, and meeting people and trying to be like, no, 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 no. You actually don't have to do what I'm doing. What I'm doing actually doesn't matter. Like yeah. we're, I'm just trying to give you a, a, a vehicle to do what you do. And there's not a lot of space within a, like a gym environment often for, for that invitation. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not what, you know, that's not what people's expectations are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I want to, I, I want that and I need to force myself into that as fast as possible. <laughs> so, right. So yes, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it ends I, up becoming- I, I try to do a lot less mimicry based. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, be, it, it becomes a, it's like a, um, the gym is just a very linear place. Everything moves in like straight lines and like you need to like be reading the words across the screen and being like, I need to get here now rather than it being like, no, 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 no. The letters and words are all over and you get to like create your own story, you know? Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. the letters are all the same for everybody, but like you get to put together your words the way you like. I really liked um, at the Tom Wexler workshop that, that you organized um, he does that, that game called clean paper, which I really like. And I also really admire, you know, to me, when I look at people who are really doing things that are interesting, there are also people who are going in, like taking classes from people who are doing things that are interesting. So as somebody who's been doing a lot and is like, Oh, well, I'm still content taking classes. I, that's an important quality to me in, in teachers. Um, but to go back to the point that, uh, the clean paper is like, you're going to spend 10 minutes doing zero technique, doing zero that you, that has a name that you've done before, just be in your body for 10 minutes and figure out what that means. And, and for someone like me, especially like that's a, that was a relatively new idea, but I think what you're talking about is a lot of, of, of that same idea. Yeah. Um, and something that I've found is practices that are very like I'm gonna call them quiet. They're mm-hmm. almost they're uh, contemplative isn't right because it's a little too heady, but like really kind of a, like a somatic approach for practices, like getting people to quiet down enough to feel. You're gonna you will 
sadly, turn away and turn off a lot of people at the beginning because they're just, they're not interested in that. They're not ready for that. They, they don't understand its benefits. So they're, they're just like, they shut down with it. Similar to even people who are completely unfamiliar with meditation, they're like, they are rejecting it because they don't, they don't, they haven't found the value in it yet. Mm-hmm. So yes, like part of what I do is like, sprinkle that stuff in and um, use some things that are often a little bit like high energy and actually laughter, a a lot of like silliness in the class in order to get people to to calm down Mm -hmm. and be more receptive to listening to themselves because right off the bat, inviting people into their bodies and to like feel their organs or feel their pelvis, it's, it's too deep. But at once people's heart rates are up and they've like made eye contact with people in the room, made some connections. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really substantial how much more willing people are to, to go in that way or like to have this kind of clean paper and drop your expectations mm-hmm. after they've laughed and sweated right. <laughs> already. So what, so what do you do then? Like what's, what's an example of that, that you kind of like welcome people with? Um, it'll, Sometimes it is a, a, like an imaginative scenario that might be influenced by a certain piece of music. Um, like one of them, when I'm teaching a floor work class, at the beginning, I've uh, explained how there was a pool built in the middle of the room overnight. Mm-hmm. And so we have this whole <laughs> exercise of people like, diving into the pool they're swimming i like blow my my finger whistle and the lifeguards have to pull them out so you have people like sliding (laughs) others across the floor and swinging and then the people but the people in the pool are not they don't want to get out so they have to grab onto one another so you have like like human floor tug of war and then it progresses to like synchronized swimming or like trying to create splashes so people are like bouncing and flailing and it's like it's it's this kind of like cardio ridiculousness that afterwards you know the music really changes and then everyone's laying in this shallow water and we we really slow down and feel breath and this watery impulse in the body Uh so yeah that's an example (laughs) i love that that's so amazing that sounds like so much fun too it is funny. <laughs> like at first, you know, looking at one or like, is this really happening? And you have a few that are like that go for it. And that uh-huh. is it, contagious. That's like an invitation for other people. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I really play it up by lifeguarding and. <laughs> uh-huh. I love that though. What, a, what, a, yeah. what, a, what a great idea. Like you're accomplishing so much with that tool because also at the very end, you're getting people to like interact with the floor, which is the theme of the entire workshop. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. Um, so yeah, I, I play with um, transforming this environment, the studio environment into other familiar environments where people have more experience interacting with that environment so like a water environment people like they know some motions and it just so happens that you know when you like backstroke on the floor you're going to be traveling backwards supine and they they kind of discover how to crawl and like contralateral movement just through this exploration so um and then there's a really beautiful occurrence you also see in children where people within the pool kind of start to create their own games with the people around them. Like they start to pair up or they're like, they start racing one another. And 
yeah, it's so, so layered um, and also so simple and so silly. <laughs> so. I just, I think it's like, I think it's kind of genius. Um, Thanks. But I also like, it's this like reminder to people because they're, co- they're coming to you to be like, oh, teach me how to move on the floor. And you're like, you, I'm showing you before we even do this, that you know how to move on the floor. I'm just going to show you some things that can go with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you hit that. Yeah, exactly. There are, uh, yes, some of my like, you know, favorite exercises are the exercises that like have all the lessons within them. Yeah. There's, there's some, some games like within, within the pole world, there's a big interest in very like weighty leg, sinewy leg movement. And, um, so yeah, there's some imagination things and some challenges of like not ever letting one foot touch the floor where people start to discover this hip movement and spine movement that it would take like weeks for me to explain how. Um, the, but through the, through the games, right, they learn all, all the things they need to learn. Did I break up? You broke up a little bit there. I'm going to let you repeat the last 20 seconds if you can. Oh dear. What did I say last to you? Um, the, the wavy legs. Uh, yeah, the people really want to learn this wavy leg. And if they were learning just through mimicry, uh-huh. then it could take like weeks and months to learn patterns, but we can turn it into a game where, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I've done some like tra- air traffic controlling. One uh-huh. person is like air traffic controlling the foot and the other person's leg has to follow and other, um, you know, environmental challenges. <laughs> right, so, right. Well, yeah. so it's, it's, it, it, I really... I don't know. Like, I really, first off, when you're talking about the pool, like I'm already getting excited and like ready to like do it. And like, I'm like amped. I think it's like, there's a genius to that, but also there are so many people who are teachers who are the people that I've talked to that I I think, I think are thinking about things in an interesting way will often say like, you already, you already know the stuff. You already have the tools, right? I, it's almost like I'm, I'm almost tricking you to come and do this thing Mm. because like, you can do it. It's there. Right. And all, all I'm almost doing is like showing you that, you know, not necessarily showing you how. Reminding. Yeah. There's a lot of remind, especially when we're talking about floor or there's like developmental patterns and play and familiar visuals, be it like animals or how we interact with water like how you are on a trampoline like these 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 familiar embodied experiences where you just need people to remember now people aren't going to remember what they did as an infant that's <laughs> but right. there are there are probably experiences that are more recent and you know even if it's that you need someone to understand like fetal position and you could talk about like spinal flexion all day long but if you say something like hedgehog or like you know then they they get it <laughs> very right. quickly right mm-hmm. well it's also like it, you know it, it almost is a, it seems to me like a very western things like people getting caught up on words and definitions right and they almost think like well if this thing doesn't have a word if it ha- doesn't have a definition then like i'm not supposed to do it and you're like well, listen people have been performing and dancing and fighting in a multitude of ways for a long time and it's only recently i think that a lot of these things got names and words and definitions so it's like all the things you're doing are movement all the things you're doing are the things we're just going to like give my words to them. And then maybe we'll give someone else's words to them. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, it, it, somehow it's like an amazing way to communicate things, but it also can be this, this big limitation, right? And it sounds like the games that you do, or these games you're explaining, take those limitations away of the words. And it's almost like, let's just like play in and around those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, maybe, think- and maybe give them words later. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if someone needs to hear, they need to like, they need to hear the cue, have a conversation within their body, trying to remember what that means, what it looks like, if they know how to do it and then perform it. Like we are this like stomping out the creative process before you even begin. So less words or the words that you use should be very, um, like sensory rich mm-hmm. or have a strong visual component to them that, that, that they've seen. Mm-hmm. If like, if I want somebody to, you know, land with as little impact as possible, which if I was going to be complicated, could be like really can control your eccentrics, mm-hmm. but I could just say like moon landing. Yeah. You're anti-gravity. I'm like, you're going to get the result that you want generally a lot faster because they, they go into their imagination and there, there's the communication happening a lot yeah. faster than a yeah. label. Right. Well, and, and that way, and, and that way we, you know, like these things are so clear in our minds, but it's like almost again, and like in the fitness or, or yeah, fitness realm, people want to jump to like anatomical terms and, and, and like biomechanics or whatever it is. And it's just like, well, no, be the moon lander. Oh, I know what that is. Oh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the, you know, the technical language and the jargon exists for a good reason. And, and when I'm training teachers, I tell them like, you, you really should have like a, a tremendous understanding of like the technical language of talking about the movement, movement in the body, because you're going to be able to absorb information from more sources. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it just, it, it's kind of the mark of being a professional, but mm-hmm. if you want to be a great teacher, you need to learn how to not use that stuff at all mm-hmm. and, and, you know, get the, get the effect in as few words as possible. So mm-hmm. it's like the insider language. And I think we have, we run into a problem when it becomes the language used for, for teaching when we want people to just get in their bodies and feel good. And, and, it, and it ends up being this thing that's like, um, it's, it's almost like the snake oil salesman like over talks and like uses like the, the, the highly mechanical terms when they don't really know anything. And I think that, that like, there's like a little bit of like culture around that. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you done any like, um, like acting classes or, or classes in like in, in a theater school or anything? Um, really only improv comedy actually. Okay which I loved. And I only did like two, I don't know what you call them, seasons <laughs> of it, but it, I loved it. And it, I could feel uh, quite a shift in my teaching mm-hmm. from that. Pro- almost like the, the, actually probably the, the most helpful teacher training mm-hmm. I ever did was taking improv comedy classes. Where did you, did you do that? Uh, UCB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who were your teachers there? Yeah. Oof, I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was okay. a long time ago. But I, I uh, like every time I go to New York, I still would go to watch like shows every night. And I listen to improv comedy podcasts because okay. yeah, it's just, I feel like 
brain expanding as I listen to it, like in every direction, like that I can do the frame of reference to be able to pull, 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 stay present and make connections is. There's a real genius there. There's a real genius in the whole thing. And as you were talking about your pool game, it actually reminded me of an improv game and maybe you've done it where it's like the game is, is that uh, a game or a sport is, is being created in the moment. So like each person's coming in and adding layers to like a game that's happening that you're like making up as it's going on. Um, I haven't done that, but that sounds amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, and, and I often find myself like if I'm ever listening to like a lecture or something and they're talking about like Zen monks, I always think of like, uh, improv comedians. I always think that like what, you could be talking about an improv comic or a Zen monk. And I'm like, to me, they end up being the same thing. Total presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Total exactly. presence and no expectations. And yeah. 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 It's a, I, I actually, I'll tell you something that's been on my like dream list for a while is an event that is a combination of movement and improv comedy. I think that is genius. Because also improv comedy world, there tend to be like kind of anti-movement. You know, there there are people that like that's not not what they roll with. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. not they're not movers. Um, And but I I think improv comedy enriches everybody's lives, and it would be so brilliant to bring those worlds together. Uh Yeah. If there was like some sort of like lots of, I imagine a lot of different things of bring them together where it could be like workshops as, as well, where like there's like collaboration between like people doing movement and people, people teaching improv where there's like this thing that comes together. I was talking to when I was at like movement camp a couple of years ago and like there were people talking about, um, I think that the perform one of like the lectures was, was something about Im- or improvisation, whatever. And people kept asking like, Oh, like about, how what's going on in your mind and blah 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 and like it was the same question over and over and over and i was just thinking like why the hell are we sitting here like listening to people ask the same question over and over <laughs> you know what i mean and people are talking about jazz and this and that and trying to be like really sophisticated and as we're walking out i turned to my friend and i was like listen i think everybody here needs to just do a little bit of research on improv comedy because these people have like laid it out and like are answering all the questions without answering them yeah and, like they have it yeah, that is so yeah, I think I think you're really on it. <laughs> During like conversations about conversations about like creativity or improvisation, I find myself getting a fidgety and kind of frustrated and a little bit angry because I'm like, this is not the way that you're gonna understand. Yeah. This is not how we're gonna understand. Yeah. Yeah. We can discuss our personal experiences, but I can't answer for you. Yeah. Like let's fucking play a game. Exactly. And, and that's <laughs> yeah. what, and that's what it is. It's almost like if you talk about it and like, like, like maybe for some people it's like dance is, is, is accessible, but maybe not quite. And like music is really hard probably for improv to access, but it's like, if you just bring in like improv, like improv comedy and bring those games in, you're just like, Oh, there's no questions to ask. I, okay. I'm feeling the thing. And there's full, full space for dance and music in improv comedy because it gives us the, there's the familiar human communication aspect that mm-hmm. everyone in at least they can, they, they can, we can all start in a, in a point of like, mm-hmm. I've done that before, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, you can bring the dance in physical expression and music. Um, well, I love this idea. I know it's your idea, but I'm it's okay. Fully, you want to, you want to collaborate? No, I'm fully prepared <laughs> to collaborate with you on it because I think it's, 
amazing. Like, I don't know what it turns into. I think it's a combination of performance and education and the whole thing. But I think that there's like, there's some real magic there. Well, there could be an online version first because, you know, these, yeah. uh, and I, I actually, like, I've never seen improv comedy for movers. I'm sure someone's done it, but I, I uh, am notorious for like <laughs> kind of mm. knowing a lot of things that are going on in mm. movement uh, class world. And I've never seen it. Well, you know what? Movement's just gotten very serious. Yeah. It's like very like, oh, like we do movement, you know, like we wear like hemp. But we should remember to play. Yeah, exactly. Play is good for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have fun, but don't smile. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I want to, at some point, you're going to need to meet me in California because when I went, I was at school for theater. I went to UCLA and I had this, I had a few cool teachers, but one guy, I used to, I stopped going to all my regular classes and just started going to his classes. And he taught a vaudeville class and he taught a movement class. And it was outrageous because in some ways it's describing the thing that you're talking about this kind of collaboration of uh improv comedy and movement and i get and and frankly that's really what vaudeville is if we're Mm -hmm. like really thinking about it but it was again no one knows who he is he doesn't have you know an instagram i mean i don't even know that he has an email address but he would just run around for three hours he had it he had a drum and he'd be banging on a drum and we'd be dancing around the room and like telling stories to each other then we'd be crawling on the floor and then we'd be singing and then we'd be like cartwheeling and then like the the whole thing um but i think that like in terms of like some more inspiration someday we'll have to meet there and i'll have to take you to take this guy's class and it'll it'll be like the best week of your life. That it's, sounds it's kind good. of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's a lot of these people who are these like old school theater teachers that are just kind of tucked away. And, you know, because they're not the ones who are like out there on Instagram and like being seen, they have all this information, but people are caught up in like, well, what looks good for 10 seconds? Yeah, I'm, I, I sometimes wonder if you're like, the purity of your weirdness, like the, the great weirdness, you know, it, it's like tainted by having to get on the internet. And I, I, I do think it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, we need, these, we need our, 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 like the teachers, the older masters, like, please stay yeah. off the internet so you can keep. Yeah. Stay weird. Stay, <laughs> right? weird. stay weird. Stay <laughs> weird. Listen, that's going to be the t-shirt that we sell for this event that we do too. It just yeah. says stay weird. I like that's that. It. That's so yeah. cool. And I'm so happy to hear that you have like some roots in like improv comedy because that like, as you were describing these games, I was like, man, she look, sounds like she's talking about like some improv games. This is amazing. I'm just so yeah. into that. So after you kind of like get people in the space, in their bodies, kind of create like an amoeba out of the class, right? what then happens? Do you start diving into some technique or do you continue kind of into that realm a little further? It depends um, like where we've been, what we've been doing. But if, if it's been something that's like high energy with like a lot of laughter, then I really Mm -hmm. ground people, get them to settle and go inward, you know, like closed eye prolonged movement is Mm -hmm. another component of within like the floor flow class. It's, prolonged sessions of movement so often they go for 45 minutes or even an hour non-stop mm-hmm. but it's like very low intensity but for many people they've never moved that long in a more improvisational way and I, I like to just let like let everybody know and see that they can 
right mm-hmm. at the beginning of class. Mm-hmm. And um, then, yeah, then there's some like technical concepts introduced, but they're always going to still be related to the more experiential thing. So let's just say we're like in a stag and you go down, you lay on your back and you come back up or you're like in a primal squat, whatever. We learn those things, but we don't lose sense of the, the water elements from mm-hmm. the beginning. So mm-hmm. like even if we're, even if somebody's learning um, a move they've done before, mm-hmm. it already has like the layer of imagination to keep them from feeling bored with it. Because mm-hmm. that is the, the trick with right, really multi-level classes is like boredom sets in when it's just technique. Can you do it? Yes, you can do it. You're good. You need the next level. But when we are, there's the imaginative element is there, people can really take care of themselves and like challenge themselves along the way without needing me to say, okay, now try never putting your butt down. Those things are great, but like, I don't want them to like need to depend on me making some suggestion about like lever length or center of mass. And those, those lessons are in there, but. Yeah. I'm super fascinated by this idea. uh, And I've asked a number of people about it. It's just a really hard thing. And it's not, I'm not looking for an answer. I realize I'm just kind of looking to like, kind of, work around it, you know, but I, the idea of like utilizing imagination as a tool for, for teaching. Um, and I, I think that there's so much there and I know that the people that I really enjoy learning from use it a lot. Um, and it's a tool in so many different ways. And, and I, I dig that as, as, as a really fascinating approach to, as you said, like, prolonging the boredom for even more advanced students is that you can use the imagination rather than just more advanced techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And an invitation to have a very intimate relationship with whatever sound is playing, because mm-hmm. that's also, I, I see in classes that aren't, um, that aren't dance classes. Like the objective is not like distinctly having a musical relationship. It's like there's music playing and we're doing movement Mm-hmm. The simple reminder of for people to to listen deeply, like mm-hmm. now anyone is challenged. Mm-hmm. Anyone. Mm-hmm. The music is an infinite resource of information about quality, tempo, tone, mm-hmm. even like what part of my body should be moving more. It's like this song has a lot of like little twinkly sounds. So maybe I should have more hands or like mm-hmm. it's deep and bassy. So maybe I should be more in my pelvis as I move and, um, you know, that like, yeah, that's another, the kind of thing that I try to get people to, to just to listen and form a relationship with music. That's not based on memorizing or even necessarily following my rhythm. Mm, God, I think that's so amazing. Like I've had, I've had, cause I've gotten the opportunity now to like work a little bit more with some of these things you're talking about. And I've noticed that where I'm like, well, the music that I'm playing in an, a way that I can't control, especially if I commit to this practice right? Like every new type of, uh, of song draws something out of me and it's, and it's, and it's not deliberate. It's not like a choice. That's what it is. It's not a choice. It's really just part of kind of like my consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, and on the flip side of that, just this morning, I, I actually like posted a story on Instagram that, um, because of like where I am right now at home, what I'm doing, there's a lot of heavy stuff there's mm-hmm. stuff in my body that I really need to like move through and process. And I'm choosing to move without music mm. because like I, this like old, 
old stuff, right? mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and being outside and uh, kind of listening to where I am and feeling into my body, what areas need, like what areas need uh, like more force or speed or release. And I've spent so much time trying to find the piece of music that would put me in the, the right state for what I need to, to move through. And so mm-hmm. music is a huge influence. If it's on, I think we should use it. And I mm-hmm. think that if it's not on, then we need to be taking our cues about what we should be doing from the inside primarily mm-hmm. and our relationship to the environment. It's, mm-hmm. It still is always, here's what's going on in me. Here's what I'm sensing. Um, it's, it, it's almost like, it, you know, the music can kind of like be a vehicle to like, uh, for, for people to later on be able to work without the music and kind of work internally potentially. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that based off of like, yeah, like the experiences I've had with music come with me, mm-hmm. but in, in a way, if you are looking at what I'm doing without sound, it's like, you know, there's a minute of something like really hard and heavy and then like some like instrumental music. And then like, there's like thrashing and like a piece of music that would actually sound like what I'm going through would probably be like rather chaotic. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Maybe switching genres, you know, but that's like, that's what I need to be doing. (laughs) I've, I've even found, and, and I don't have, I don't come from a dance background and like, this is a lot of these things that you're talking about or the way that I can relate to them is, is, much much newer but i've found that like it's even changed my relationship to like music that i've listened to for a long time where i'm like oh maybe maybe i didn't grow bored of it but i'm like it i i related to it in a certain way and then i get to have a relationship to it physically Mm. right and that's a pretty amazing change in how i relate to a song or 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 an artist or, or a type of music that i was listening to for 10 or 20 years before and kind of had a certain place for it in my mind or in my body. And now it's like, it's this whole other thing, you know, like I was kind of working some of these clean paper and, and, and different games that I've done with Tom um, and, and doing it to tool. And, 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 and I'm like, Oh, I have this, look at this, like um, this relationship I have with this music that like was totally connected to like being like an angsty aggressive like youth or something and now it's this like whole other experience in my body which is a pretty amazing feeling yeah and being able to observe those experiences as you're going through them again brings in i think it's a much more holistic experience of embodiment because mm-hmm. you're you're like yeah. you, you're you're looking back on your past you're remembering how you used to relate to it you're being available for a new relationship with that sound and the reality is that each day we put on the same song if we're if we're really present our relationship is going to be different to it every day just like we are with one another and that's also another for me why it's unfortunate if we do the same routine to the same song only mm-hmm. rather than allowing that relationship to change we can we can have like a some base ingredients that are always there for a point of reference but mm-hmm. um, yeah how how cool is it to keep restructuring and and reevaluating yeah now we're and now we're talking about attachment now we're like all the way like into like <laughs> yeah. the deep stuff like that's really what it is like you know like not being like attached to an identity that's like that's that's where that's where you've managed to get us to mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
So then when, I'm curious, when did you start like be like hitting the road? When did you take like the act on the road? Yeah. I, that to I, me, it sounds like a big step. I won an international competition in 2011 after okay. I, I won like an American championship the year before. Mm-hmm. And then people around the world started saying, hey, will you come teach us? Uh-huh. So I kind of just, it, it was the result of now more things being on the internet and this title, which gave me the notoriety to be able to travel. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was able to do it for so long. I think it, it had a lot to do with how much I love instruction yeah. and cre- it's, it's even not instruction. It's like creating an experience for people, whether we're only together for an hour or longer. Like I, I really don't even like teaching tricks classes. Mm-hmm. Many people want to learn tricks mm-hmm. for me and I'll, I'll, I'll allow them to offer a tricks class, but I'm like, let's do the other stuff. Cause that's what I'm excited about. And that they're, you know, people are going to sense that. So. Yeah. Um, so, so when, when people were showing up to take your workshops, once you were like on the road, they were they showing up in the beginning, almost being like, I'm prepared to learn like pole tricks. And then you'd like, you would then trick them and be like, I'm going to teach you this other stuff, but you're going to have so much fun that you're going to like forget about kind of like the fancy stuff. Yeah, definitely. There's this, there's a, a, a single move um, that I'm like, I guess most known for it's like a version of the bird of paradise, which is a yoga move, but with the pole and it became like very popular. And it's, I, I kind of like joke that that's the reason I got to travel around the world is I just put my body in this one position and I (laughs) really liked it. And, and you know, but then people are willing to like fly to other countries to like take a class for me. And, um, you know, it's what they want. So I have to kind of reconcile, how do I give them what they want with what I think is really important for them? Because the reality mm. is like a lot of the tricks, they're really not appropriate for me to teach somebody in that 90 minutes, but they are like, there's a contract because they've paid because they want to learn a specific thing. So, so mm. yeah, I, I'm like, all right, heavy dose of play and okay, I'll show you how to do that thing. Uh, please don't hurt yourself. <laughs> right. Right. But rather than treating it, it sounds like it's almost like rather than treating it as like the meal, you're like, here's the dessert. Right. Like for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we're doing this other thing. And then like at the very end, I'm going to give you like a cookie. Yeah. And not everyone likes that. You know, it's the checklist mentality is like real within pole because there's tricks with names and Mm -hmm. it's nice to be saying that like, I did that. I did that. I did that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if that's where people are, then they might not love what I'm offering, but that's okay. Cause for me, I have a like sustainable movement philosophy that I also extend to pole and aerial work, which those two things are not always compatible. Mm. <laughs> right. It's like so many people, they want to learn a movement, not movement. That is very true. Yeah. Right. Cause it has they, a name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They want the Instagram thing. They don't want the like, Oh, like this is how I can go interact with the world thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I, and I think it's, it's just, uh, it might be, I'm, I kind of look at it as like an, an early phase, hopefully of this journey into having a really healthy relationship with your body and with movement. It's yeah. like, you know, like a step. And then sadly, it's usually tragedy and injury that causes people to start to change their approach. And I, I wish that, that it didn't need to be something traumatic that that leads to like a seeking a different way but usually it is 
Right. When, when you were teaching the classes and you said that like some people would, would leave and they'd be like, oh, like, like you could tell, like they were just like, this wasn't for them. I don't know that I could tell. I'm just making an assumption because okay. <laughs> I try to make sure they're laughing, but right. they might later on go, she didn't actually teach me what I wanted. Right. But then, but I'm sure there were people who showed up and, and cause I've seen this thing happen where they show up and they think that they're going to learn this thing. And then they learn something else that they realize is bigger. And then they come up and they're, and afterward they're like, listen, I showed up prepared to learn X, but I learned the alphabet. Um, did you have any of those experiences? You must have. I feel like that's like, I've seen that happen. Yeah. And, uh, and I tend to remember them when they come with some story of, uh, someone like, you know, a, a, a really debilitating personal situation that had happened before, be it like a, a loss or like stage four cancer survivor. Uh-huh. And they're like, just found what I'm doing and expected that they were going to like learn some moves, but in, in there, as they're recounting what they experienced, that they started to like believe in their own ability to move and to dance. And that's for me, immeasurably important that the, 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 not that I become like a resource or an expert for them who tells them what to do, but that they start to feel the more like autonomous ability to, to step into a flow state and to move without me. That's, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And that happens. Yeah. What it, you, I mean, like I said, you and I met, or at least I, we were in the same room um, <laughs> at Tom's workshop and you, and you did the whole workshop aside from organizing it. So you're a student of the game. Um, where else, do, like what, what do you do now to like stay in the role of like a student where are the where are the places you're looking like what are the things that you're that you're drawn to right now yeah um online i've been looking a good amount into trauma and the embodied experience of trauma mm-hmm. that's been a major point um and that's like you know i think we can't really understand our our ourself and our and our ability to um sense how we're reacting and how we're being and be with different emotions without some knowledge in that in that area because growing up in dancing you you just like learn how to get your body to do all kinds of things you don't learn to sense how you're being Mm -hmm. so there's that but then also i think as a movement teacher uh to have more capacity to like be with and hold space for all the shit that people are going to go through in in a in a class Like whether I feel like if someone like begins crying or like feelings of insufficiency, like previously I had, I had a hard time uh, feeling okay when seeing really strong emotions. Like if someone was like really sad or really angry, I would feel frozen. And so like it allows me to like be a better leader for people in the room. If I can still like hold space and make everyone else still like be okay or help them be okay, even when something crazy is going on. Right. Um, um, and then what else? So wh- where um, do you go that, where do you, where do you, like, what are you reading or what are you, who are you listening to? Like, where gosh. are you, where are you thinking about this stuff at? Cause I, I, I find it really interesting. So many, um, Irene, <laughs> Irene Lyon is a great resource and she puts a ton of stuff online. Um, um, Brooke Thomas runs a, a platform called liberated being, and it is, like somatic 
meditation, a lot of the work, but it is, it is this kind of understanding of, of self other, the ability to be present. And, um, she's a great resource. She also has a podcast Mm -hmm. and then, um, Gabor Mate, Peter Levine, these are all leaders in the like trauma mm-hmm. research and I said like education field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like watch different movement videos, learn random things. I've been looking at some Qigong videos, which I'm really enjoying and, and like kind of uh, going, why did I not dive into this earlier? It feels so good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. right. You know? mm-hmm. when, when something's been around for like a few thousand years, it's like, oh, it's, it's lasted for a reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I finally look at it. I'm like, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think sadly people won't participate in it because a lot of the the language is hard for westerners to understand like that they're totally. you know tapping their they're like <laughs> their thyroid or whatever like people are like i don't understand i don't get it but i think it's one of those also better things to be ex, ex, to be experienced rather than to be explained mm-hmm. uh if you just read a description of what's going on in qigong for mm-hmm. for many westerners they're gonna not be receptive to it but mm-hmm couple coordinated breath movements and it mm. you have you're gonna feel something mm-hmm. or are you yeah. gonna learn that you're unable to feel which is also very valuable mm-hmm. thing to know Potent- about yourself yeah, potentially the more valuable thing <laughs> <laughs> wow i'm unable to sense my body whatsoever but i move hours a day mm-hmm. that's something to look at yeah mm-hmm. i think that's so amazing i i'm I've spent a lot of time like reading some things on, I mean, I never plan on it, but it's just like, you know, you end up in like in rabbit holes as you're like reading things. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I just had like four psychology books or like five books on trauma. And you're like, yeah, this is amazing. But I've been writing this blog about uh, leaving New York because it's a, you know, this thing that's happening. And when I moved to New York, I was writing in a journal regularly, regularly. I filled like multiple volumes. Um, and uh, I just thought it was like, you know, I'm young and I'm doing this thing. I want to write about my stories and my experiences and I feel like I should document on it. And I assume somewhere in my mind, I imagined I would have a biographer one day, go back and like read it all and then like tell the story of my life or something. Um, but I haven't opened them at all, at all since mm. then, you know? And I was like, oh, I should kind of like look at that. I'm curious, like what's in there. And I open it up and I've like, my mind is blown, like reading like my stream of conscious from like 2005. So I start kind of plucking some things and tell like a little bit of like the early story of being in New York. And as I'm kind of like wound, you know, finishing it up, I'm, I'm looking back on like the stories. I'm like, God, this thing reads like a tragedy. <laughs> it's like one, one painful thing after another. But then I realized I was almost like, you know, like the stories of who we are seem to be told more by like our scars than our like, you know, than, than our like fresh skin. Like, I, I, I imagined it's as if like nobody is like sitting somewhere and like pointing at like a, a scar, uh, like a, a, an unblemished part of their arm and saying, oh, let me tell you the story about that. Right. right. There's always like, oh, like, let me tell you this thing and this thing. But it's, as you kind of pointed out, it's like the, the, the trauma is kind of like what fills in a lot of the gaps. Yeah. And that, that I think the, the negativity bias like popped into my head when you, when you said that, that we're going to always tend to remember the, the negative aspects of what happens to us. So like yeah. leads a, 
a more potent residue mm-hmm. <laughs> in our in our memory. And even with when it comes to journaling, I think that um, we tend to use it for processing the things that we're struggling to process, which often are the dark, darker, mm-hmm. shadow, more shadowy things. And so, yeah, it's like sometimes <laughs> reflecting on the life or look at the journal, you're like, geez, you know, but we don't mm-hmm. see everything that was in between. But um, yeah, it's a uh, better, better to move through it and to um, process it than to leave it stuck and unexpressed. So (laughs) whether it's journaling or reminiscing and drawing those connections between where you are and where you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a really dark first year in New York myself. (laughs) I think everybody has a dark (laughs) first year in New York. If they didn't have a dark first year, I don't believe they were in New York. Yeah, or or somebody was like, here's here's a million dollars. Get yourself comfortable. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They had a million dollars and they were living in Hoboken. Like, you weren't in the city. You know, it is a brutal city to, like, do it in. Like, when when I first moved here, we ended up subletting an apartment in Spanish Harlem, from and, and I paid for it sight unseen and we walk in and it's like mice, cockroaches. She turned out to be like a prostitute who like that I was subletting it from that owed a year of back rent and we had to leave in two weeks. And you're just like 20 years old with like all your bags on your back and you're just like, all oh, right, well, I guess we're here. This is it. This is New York. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I was subletting from a guy who ran like an online porn thing and I didn't know that. Like I was running a room, he wasn't there. His room was always locked. He said at some point, I'm I'm coming back for a few months. I'm like, "Okay." The guy sleeps on a massage table, has no doesn't have a bed, and the only thing in the room is two computers, like 500 porn DVDs. And then he started saying like creepy things to me and I and I'm like looking into the toilet paper holder hoping there's not like a pee cam you know like and this is, <laughs> you're just trying to like figure out how to go to dance class and you're like mm-hmm. <laughs> well for, for first rule is uh you know it's a problem when your roommate is sleeping on a massage table he said I'm a minimalist so I was like, oh, God. <laughs> mm-hmm. that that is like standard New York story I I, right. I love it so much yeah. That's amazing. So now, like, all your stuff is online, right? A lot of things. You know, I, I disclaimer, I feel like the good stuff isn't online because it's these, they are interactive in-personal, in-person experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to figure out how to put that online. Like, yes, I can teach, I can teach moves and I can teach even like an exploration, but it's a prescriptive exercise. So there is a lot online in pole, in this kind of exploration based mobility and floor flow. But um, I don't yet have like floor flow teacher training online or any of those things. I'm trying to feel into what's the right way to do that. Mm, Right. Yeah, I I can imagine. I I mean, just hearing from kind of like the way that you approach, it's something that is not, it's not an internet thing. This is like, this is a being with people thing. Yeah. So I'm working on that. I have been teaching live, Mm -hmm. which has been interesting, Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Um, but yeah, these like the the pre-recorded things exist. The live classes exist. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, I'm not satisfied yet with with, uh, the digital options. Yeah, I'm not, I, I mean, I've seen people who have pulled off some interesting things, but it's not the same as 
it's not being with people. Being with people is really what has to happen. Like that's where spontaneity really occurs Mm -hmm. in in a magical way. And that's why I found myself really getting excited about this because I was like, well, with this time I can trick all these really interesting people into talking to me. And, (laughs) and at least that's this, like, it's actually a real interaction. Yeah. And even if we're not moving together, there's like the 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 we could be yeah we could be yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we'll turn on some music, um, but I I I couldn't agree more that that's like the 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 piece where I find myself just being like well let me just like spend this time kind of like investigating and and seeing what's there and 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 being like okay well I'm here I'm gonna have all these things that I'm ready to try when I can mm. really be with people. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. start experimenting with. Yeah, I've definitely been investing more in learning and studying and growing right now than figuring out, put the next product out online. I do have some things coming up. I filmed a, a really fundamental floor flow, like course. Mm-hmm. That's big my internet. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Unstable again. Um, (laughs) Thanks, internet. Um, Yeah, so I I filmed a a floor flow course that I still have to edit. That'll come out. But yeah, so, you know, like what we're saying, with with like online communication, when we're both facing the camera and close, Mm -hmm. I think there's there's still like uh, this option for play and for reactivity. I don't know, have you taught online? I have, yeah you know how you have to go far enough away to teach that you can't see the screen. And it, it like, it makes that impossible. I know some people I've seen are um, projecting on the mm-hmm. wall mm-hmm. and that seems like I, I need to do that because I will actually know I need to project every single face <laughs> right. on right. the wall. Right. Every person who's in it needs their own big screen TV. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like a, like a security camera for like a skyscraper looking at all the ele- elevators. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Would you ever, te- like, I mean, you're going to go back and, and be in Boulder for a little while. Would you ever teach outside, like, in, and do something, like, in, in a park or something? Or, or do you prefer to, like, be, like, in the, in the studio? No, I do teach in parks. But funny, actually, I don't ever teach in Boulder. Mm-hmm. No? So, no, I'm usually, when I'm there, I'm just, like, home and training. And because for eight years I traveled eight months a year, mm-hmm. coming back was, like, my time not teaching usually. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I would, I would teach outside, teach in a park, but. Mm-hmm. Um, well, listen, now that I'm going to be there, I'm, and listen, like I'm prepared when we get there to be like, we need to get together and prepare this, this improv yeah. comedy movement summit, whatever it's going to be, because I feel like it's, it's awesome. But I really do, when we get there, I would, I really do want to get together and, and, and powwow about some things. Cause I think like, I don't know. I really feel uh, excited about the way that you see, see things and see this and, and see the whole, the whole vision here, because I think that um, I feel like I can learn a lot from you. I feel like we share a lot of ideas. I think that there's something there. I think it'd be very fun. Well, I had no idea you were, were an actor and into these things. That's very thrilling. Yeah. I'll be back in a month. Literally. Okay. Exactly. A month. I'm, I'm marking my calendar. I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll be there for like several weeks at that mm-hmm. point. But yeah, me, we'll meet you in the park. Let's make it happen. But that, uh, yeah, I, I feel there's nothing like it and it's much needed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It's um, uh, it, it it it's when people are ready to do it again, it's going to be like a tidal wave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You can take improv comedy classes online. I have looked into it. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, uh, they offer. What's the school in Chicago? Second City. Yeah, they they offer along with some others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know that you know it's hard to decide whether these are things where it's just like you know economical decisions or if it's like this is like oh we really believe in this art, um, <laughs> and I think that a lot of places are trying to stay afloat. But I'm I think that there's something there. It could be really interesting to play improv games over like a, a Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if people want to connect with you or or, or learn your um, excuse me, or take some of your classes, is it just through your website, through your Instagram? Where's the best way to do this? Yeah, um, I have two Instagrams. The poll one is at Marlo Fiskin, mm-hmm. and then at Flow Movement is other things, a little more related to like teaching, philosophy, things that don't involve a poll. Okay. <laughs> and then um, flowmovement.net is my website, and that's where you can find various tutorials, pre recorded classes, stuff like that. 